Rio Grande Oil Company. Los Angeles Police calling all cars. Attention all cars. Broadcast 169 regarding a robbery. Go at once to 2015 North Ferrando Street. That's all. Rolls and quotes. Out of the side window for his wife, he meets 
surprised. Barton, this is Mr. Butkin. Why, yes. We got a Christmas package for you. A Christmas package? That's right. Well, it's a little early for such things. Only the 16th. However, put it in the back of the car there. Yeah, here's a receipt. Will you sign, please? All right, let me have it. Sign it right here? Yeah, right there. package in the back? Yes, sir. That's fine. Cut the motor and turn off those lights. What? Come on, come on. Let's just pick up and we mean business. Cut that motor and put off those lights. Well, here, wait a minute. I'll give you my wallet. No, we don't want that. Come on, cut that motor. Now get out of the car and we'll go in the house. All right. You go ahead. And remember that I get you covered with this gun all the time. Now, listen, man. There's a colored maid inside. If she sees you with those masks on and those, those guns, well, she'll get hysterical. There's liable to be trouble. Well, it's up to you to keep her quiet, then. Now, come on. Now, look. All the money I've got is in my wallet here. Why don't you be reasonable and take that? Shut up and keep walking. Cut the chatter and let's go. You keep an eye on this guy while I find a place to put these. Okay, don't be long. 
making an awful mistake doing this. You won't find any more money around here. Yeah, it wouldn't be too sure. Now you just keep quiet till my partner comes back. And then we'll see about it. You said something about hidden money. What did you mean by that? Be quiet. I locked them in the closet. They'll be safe enough there. You didn't hurt them. No, I didn't. Now let's stop fooling around. Get down to business. Take off your shoes. My my shoes? You heard me. Take them off. Now let's go. See if he's got any dough hidden. something else. Get out that wire and tie him down. What's the idea? Shut up. The only time I want to hear you talk is when you tell me where your money is. But I've already told you. I don't believe you. Time with his hands behind him. (laughs) All right, Bodkin, now your last chance. Where's the money? I haven't any. Maybe this gun will change your mind. There isn't any use in shooting me. I've told you the truth. Think hard. Where's that money? Where's that money? I don't know who told you. I had money now. But it's not true. You think I'd let you do this to my family if I had any? Think fast. If I had any money, I'd give it to you. Everything would be covered by insurance. I'm not holding out on you. Bring out his wife. Okay. My wife isn't going to be able to give you any, any information. There isn't a cent more in the house. That's what you say, Buckin. For me, I don't believe you. I think you're lying. And I'm not leaving till I prove it. Hopelessly bound, hand and foot, Attorney Buckin sits in the chair, stares directly in front of him. His mind constantly seeking some way to end the ordeal, grasping at some new straw, rejecting it again for another. And after an interval that seemed an age, the door opens again. His wife, terrified, is brought into the room and made to sit across the table from him. For a moment, nothing is said. No sound breaks the heavy silence of the place. Then, slowly, deliberately, one of the men begins to speak. Lady, I've got to tell you something. Something that's mighty important to you. Yes. We're not amateurs. We're not fooling. You know that. Yes. You've got some money hidden in this house somewhere. We intend to get it. And I don't much care how. How about it? Are we going to have to get tough or are you going to talk? My wife has... Shut up! How about it, lady? I've told you all I can. There isn't any money here. How would you like to see your husband's body floating around in the bay? Oh. Yeah, I can tell you wouldn't like it. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen to him if you don't talk. Oh, but I've told Now, you. listen, both of you. We've got a gang outside armed with machine guns. You won't talk. I'm going to call them in, and they'll tear this place apart. All right. I've got another idea. Maybe a little heat will change your mind. What are you going to do? You watch, lady. You'll see. Give me that magazine. Hmm? Oh, yes. There you are. Now, Bodkin, are you going to talk? You're making a mistake. 
There isn't oh, any money. Oh, give me a mat. Yeah, I got it here. Yeah, we'll see how he likes this. But you, you can't do that. You can't. No, maybe I can, and I'm going to. Maybe when this flame begins to warm your husband's hands, he'll feel they usually do. Oh, no. All right, Bodkin, how do you like this? You better talk, Bodkin. This is going to burn pretty hard. Stay there and hang on, or I'll check with Captain Edwards and have someone come down. Okay. 
informed of this new break, Captain Edwards, in charge of the Georgia Street detectives, sends Lieutenant Detective Hurst and Dorman to the spot with instructions to run the tip down. And a few minutes later, they join radio officers Kemp and Miller and are in turn introduced to a woman. Yeah, what's this all about, lady? You're looking for the man who pulled that Bodkin job, aren't you? Correct. Well, I know who did it. Oh. <laughs> well, the only thing is, I'm afraid you'll think that I had something to do with it, and I didn't. Suppose you tell us your story, and we'll see. Well, will you promise me that I won't get mixed up in the thing if I can prove I was clear? Sure. Well, all right. Well, I was out a little joint the other night, you know, a beer spot, and I met two fellas. They asked me to join their party, and I did. I couldn't see anything wrong in that. They looked all right. Sure. Well, but after we'd been there a while, they got pretty drunk. Began talking about all kinds of things, and all of a sudden they mentioned this Bodkin thing. One of them sort of laughed, and then he asked me how I'd like to have some diamonds. <laughs> he showed me a newspaper article about the torture case. And all of a sudden, I realized I was with the men who'd done it. What'd you do then? Well, I, I was scared, and I thought about getting away from there. And then I figured maybe if I stayed, they'd talk more, and I could help the police. Did they? <laughs> oh, plenty. They even admitted having done the job. One of them, his name's Hill. Well, he was all for not talking. But the other one was drunker, and he told me all about it. Listen. You know where we can find those men now? Yes, in their apartment. <laughs> and I'll bet they're still asleep. Can you show us where it is? Oh, yes. Okay, come on, boys. We're going up and interview these lads. Oh, <laughs> won't they be surprised? And a short time later, a very much surprised morning meal suddenly disrupted by the abrupt arrival of the four officers. They admit to the names of Hill and Tanner, but vehemently deny any knowledge of the Botkin affair. And after a short round of questioning, Hurst and Gorman decide to take them to the police station for further questioning. There they are joined by two more detectives, Fred Russell and M.O. O'Connor. But repeated questioning brings the same replies from both men, a complete denial of any connection with the case. A check of the record bureau brings to light the fact that Tanner has a past record, that Hill has none. Therefore, Captain Edwards points out, Hill is the logical one to crack under questioning. And with this in mind, the four detectives bring Hill into the room. Start all over again. Now, look, Hill, where were you on the night of December 16th? Well, I, I was over at the county hospital seeing my wife. And she's sick You're there. sure you weren't out at Henry Botkin's house oh, that night? No, I was at the hospital, sir. Mm. As a matter of fact, Hill, aren't you the fellow that tortured Henry Bodkin, kidnapped him, and robbed his wife? You may not know it, but when you forced Bodkin to take a walk with you, you kidnapped him. You know what they do with kidnappers in this state town, don't well, you? I didn't have nothing to do. I, I was just over there seeing my wife. Where were you before you went over to the hospital? Well, I don't remember. I can't remember. What did you do afterwards? Well, I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to remember that far back, you see. All right, Hill, go on. Forget everything you ever knew. Only if you want my opinion of you, you're being pretty silly. Come on, O'Connor. I want to see you alone a minute. And once out of the room, Lieutenant Gorman confides to O'Connor his idea, which results in a hurried trip to the county hospital. Once there, the two men find Hill's wife, question her. Question her about her husband's alibi visit on the night of December 16th. Find him to be lying. As they start to leave, she gives them a note asking that it be delivered in person to Hill. 
But back at headquarters, Hurst and O'Connor learned that Gill and Tanner are to be put in the show-up the next morning. Decide to hold the letter until afterwards. And accordingly, the following morning, Attorney Botkin, his wife and son, and the colored maid, Amelia, stand with the officers. Watch the line of suspects as they are paraded under a brilliant white light. Several men are brought out. Then, Tanner starts. But as he starts in through the door, a jailer notices he has no shoes on. Makes him get them. And a moment later, his reason for this is discovered when Amelia bursts into speech. Yazza, that's one of them, all right. I remember these shoes. There was more like boots than shoes. That's how I know them. Following this, Bodkin and his wife substantiate Amelia's identification. Hill, when his turn comes, is pointed out by all three of them. The finger points directly to Tanner and Hill as the wanted men. But when questioned again after the show-up, they refuse to talk, deny everything. But Hurst and McConnor have ideas. Put them into effect when they get Hill alone. Hill, you're still set on the idea of not talking. Well, I haven't anything to talk about. It. Okay, okay. Here's a letter from your wife. She asked me to give it to you. Oh, you, you talked to her? Sure, over at the hospital last night. Well, What'd she say? She seemed kind of hurt when we told her what you'd been doing. Gave us this letter for you. Go on, read it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you all about it. Yeah, I'll do more than that, see? I'll tell you where to find the guy who planned it. He's the one you ought to have. I was just working for him. Sure. His name is Brooks, and he's got all the jewelry we got. You can find him at 2960 West 9th Street in his apartment. And half an hour later, O'Connor, Dorman, Russell, and Hurst, accompanied by Attorney Botkin, stand before the door to an apartment the landlady has pointed out as being Brooks. Door's locked. We'll have to break it in. Okay. All together. Well, well, well. I don't think we'll have any trouble with him. Look at that bottle he's been working on. Mm. If you finish that all alone, he's plenty drunk. Brooks. Brooks. Huh? We're after the Bodkins oh. diamonds, Brooks. One of the boys said they left them here. Where are they? They're out here. They had them here, but they took them away. Took them away. I've got to get another drink. My head's coming off. You know Jim Hill? Never heard of him. Here's something. Yeah? Newspaper dated the same. What a drink. Lying over here, open to the story about the kidnapping. Give me my bottle. What are you doing with that, Brooks? Gotta have a drink. Head's coming off. Yeah, it doesn't look as though we're going to get very far with him at this hey, point. Let me alone. Well, we'll take him in and let a night in jail sober him up. Maybe he'll feel more like talking tomorrow. And the following morning, a soberer but curly Brooks faces Attorney Bodkin and the officers. Answers questions in a defiant tone. Do you know Buck Tanner? I never heard of him. Where'd you get that cardboard box you turned over to Jim Hill last Saturday night? I turned over to Jim Hill. I don't even know Jim Hill. If he says so, he's crazy. You never saw Jim Hill before you saw him in jail? Well, I've, I've seen him, but I, well, I don't know him. Would you know Hill if you saw him again? I don't know. Uh, maybe if you could have Hill brought in, Lieutenant. Right away. I'll get him, Mr. Botkin. Bye. Now, Brooks, you say Hill has never been in your apartment. Yeah, that's right. Never. Yet Hill says he has. Well, then he's lying. 
We'll see about that. Right in here, Hill. Hello, Hill. You know this fellow sitting here? Yes. Yes. You, you, you can't positively identify me. Now, wasn't there another fellow in my apartment when you were there? You know, a, a guy about my size named Joseph? Huh? No. Brooks, what afternoon did Hill come up to your apartment? I don't know. I... I was never there when Hill was there. Yesterday, when we entered your apartment, we asked you where the diamonds were that had been left with you, and you said they'd been taken away again. Hey, you're crazy. I didn't say that. I had some jewelry of my own in my pocket. That's what I meant. Didn't you say the boys had taken them? No, I didn't. Hill, uh, where did you last see this man, Brooks? Well, when we gave him the jewelry and stuff. Well, Brooks, do you remember that? No, I don't. Well, listen, Brooks. I'm clean. I'm going to be clean, see? I was dragged into something I knew nothing about. You got me to do the job, and then you told me if I backed down, it was it was my head. And then you turned around and gave me one dollar for it. He only gave you a dollar? Uh, did he say the job was a success? He said there should have been more. Did you ask him for more money? Well, I asked him for some of the jewelry, and he told me to get out. What have you got to say, Brooks? Say, I ain't got nothing to say. Do you admit it or deny it? I deny it, and, and you here, you positively identify I'm me. Told us. You're wrong, Mr. Nothing wrong, Todd Brooks, and you know it. Well, I don't know anything of the sort, and I still say you're nuts. You're as crazy as a hare. Why, I never had anything to do with you. And despite Hill's positive identification of Brooks as the brains of the gang, the police are unable to connect him by any direct evidence. No jewelry has been found in his apartment. Nothing that can be offered as evidence in court. Five days passed. Five days in which the police can get no more out of either Tanner or Brooks. Then, the morning of the 6th. Georgia Street Police Station. Very speaking. Now, this is the landlady over at the apartment where Harry Brooks lived, and I wanted if you could give him a message for me. Uh, what's that, ma'am? Well, I found a funny-looking little chamois bag in the bushes under Mr. Brooks's window, and opened it, and there were some diamond rings in it. Now, I was just going to give them back to him, and I remember he'd gone away with you, so I thought you could tell him. Well, I'll tell him, all right. And don't let that bag out of your sight. This is just what we needed. <laughs> identifies the rings as being the one stripped from his wife's fingers by the torture bandit. The final and most important link in the chain of evidence is forged. And a month later in court, Hill turns state's evidence and supplies the prosecution with a complete description of the crime, with the result that when the jury finally gets the case, their decision is unanimous.
told you, police cars and other emergency equipment traveled 55 million miles last year on Rio Grande cracked gasoline. Well, here are some of the cities that have used it exclusively in law enforcement work. Marysville, Oakland, Berkeley, Fresno, Santa Barbara, Los Angeles, Pasadena, Monterey Park, San Diego, Phoenix, Santa Barbara County, Orange County, San Diego County, Maricopa County, Arizona, and many, many other cities and counties. Many of these cities also use Sinclair motor oil, Sinclair Pennsylvania, or Sinclair Opaline. Naturally, the two make an excellent combination. Quick starting Rio Grande cracked gasoline refined by the patented Sinclair cracking process and free flowing Sinclair motor oil, thoroughly de waxed and de jellied. Your independent Rio Grande dealer can supply you with everything you need for superb motoring satisfaction chassis lubrication, crankcase lubrication. And the only gasoline you can buy that gives police car performance, Rio Grande cracked with tetraethyl. And it will give you free the means of an evening's entertainment, calling all cars news, detective stories, movie gossip, and pictures, radio news, and many special features. See him tomorrow. Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. <laughs> 